You're listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson, the podcast that tells you what it really takes to build a business and the simple steps to get you there. I'm determined to share with you the reality of easy, simple business marketing tips to make passive income so that you can start making money online. Hello and welcome to today's podcast episode. It's a solo episode today because we've just had Mental Health Day for 2021. And one of the things that I never used to talk about in business at all is my own mental health because from a young age, I've had depression. I've been diagnosed with depression and anxiety because of the mainly because of the things that happened to me at school, the bullying that I endured at school and because of a rather chaotic childhood. And I never used to talk about it. And then a couple of years ago, I realized that by not talking about the things that happen in my own health, mental health and general health, I'm kind of allowing the stigma, the tabooness of having any kind of mental health issue to continue And we need it to not continue because I think things are getting better. People aren't kind of viewing mental health, especially the same way, but there's still a lot of work to be done. And so I started talking about it. And today I wanted to talk about it on here because I talked to you a lot about strategy and, you know, different ways of managing your mindset and that kind of thing. But all of those things are very different if you're already dealing with a mental health issue or an ongoing chronic disease, um, of which I also have. Um, I will tell you about that now. So, you know, today I wanted to cover some of the strategies that I've used and how I've done things differently in case there is anybody listening that is also going through something similar. So for me, I've always done business differently because of the depression and because of the anxiety. So right from the beginning, I knew that I needed to find some kind of um, way of making money without me constantly being in the business because of that. Because if I had a bad day, then I wouldn't be able to show up. And, you know, people say, oh, you need to show up every day. You need to show up in some way every day, but it doesn't need to be you in person with your face. (laughs) One of those people like me who can get organized enough to do things in advance whether it's posts on social media or something else. And it means that if you have a down day, a day when you can't physically operate, then it's not going to make a load of difference to those people watching. You're still showing up in some way. So with my depression and anxiety, one of the things that triggers it is because I was bullied when I was younger, one of the things that can trigger, especially the anxiety side of things, is bullying now. And I've talked about this on other podcasts, like how when I've been bullied online as an adult, it probably wouldn't affect a person the same as it affects me because it's a big trigger for my depression and anxiety. And so that's why it's caused me so many problems being online, you know, in one of the industries where you're kind of very likely to get some kind of trolling, bullying, you know, competitors not being that nice to you. And I happen to have chosen the one industry where that's very likely to happen. And so I've had to deal with things quite differently because of that and learn as I've gone along. And most of the time I can manage my mental health issues. I'm high functioning depressive is what the doctors call me. And that means that 
it genuinely won't stop me doing things. I will feel everything inside, but it won't stop me getting on with things. I can function at quite a high level, even when I'm having quite a day of feeling depressed or anxious. But that can be a bad thing because it means that people around you might not know that you have it. So you might look up to somebody and think, oh, you know, they do so well. They never get stressed about anything. And they could be like having a major anxiety attack and you wouldn't even know because they're high functioning. So it's not always a good thing that you're high function. But yeah, you can imagine the first few years of my business when everything was going on with the group of competitors that were bullying me, who, by the way, as an aside, while I'm here, I would like to say hello to them because somebody who is very close to that group of people felt bad this week because she had seen all of the messages that they sent to each other every week about me and decided that she couldn't deal with it anymore and came and talked to me about it. In fact, two people have done this now about it and wanted to say, I I just want you to know that even though I've seen all these messages, I am not involved in any way. And unfortunately, one person sent me some of those screenshot messages this week. And so what I know to be true, because I've seen it with my own eyes, is that every single week, that group of people who, I don't know what to call them, haters, I guess, listen to my podcast and then discuss it afterwards in not very nice detail. So I just wanted to say to them, because now I know that they're listening, that I don't dislike you. I don't feel angry towards you. I feel sad that this is something that you feel that you need to do um, because it means that there's something going on in your life that is making you unhappy. And so I would love to invite you to have a look internally at what that is and how that can change because talking about me every week after each podcast cannot be making you feel good about yourselves, however much you think it is. Anyway, as an aside, back to everybody else that's listening. (laughs) Now I've got that out of the way. Yeah, one of the things that was difficult for me was in the first few years, having those incidents online happening to me would trigger my anxiety. So I would kind of hide for a few days. And once I realized this pattern was happening, I then put strategies in place so that if it had to happen, my business could still run without me. And then flash forward to 2019 and I got something else. And this was a game changer in my whole life and business and not in a good way. So I'm going to be quite graphic here. So if you don't like graphic explanations of health issues, it might be time to switch off. But I need to be really honest with everything that's going on. And, you know, not everything in life is pretty. Um, So I got a disease, which I didn't know what it was. I used to get, for all of you women listening out there, you will understand what it feels like when you get a UTI or a water infection it's bad. And I used to get two of those a year. And every time I got one, I'd feel that horrible pain of it and that need to go to the loo and the stinging and the burning that you have. And I would go straight to the doctors, get an antibiotic. And within two days, luckily it would be gone. And it was my worst thing that I ever got is every few months, you know, twice a year, I would get this UTI and I'd be like, oh God, this is awful. At least you can have antibiotics and it goes within a couple of days. And then in 2019, a normal day was happening. There was nothing unusual about this day. And I was at my computer and I was like, oh no, I can feel I've got a UTI. I've got all of the symptoms. And the symptoms, if you're a guy listening to this or if you've never had a UTI, the symptoms of a UTI are an absolute urgent need to go to the toilet 
every second of every day, but you don't actually do anything when you get there. There's no, there's no urine there. It just feels like there is. And when you do go, it burns, your stomach is in pain. You're constantly in like an awful kind of pe- burning pain. It's very difficult to explain it if you've not had one, but it's, it's just all consuming and you can't really think about anything else apart from the fact that you need to go to the toilet constantly. And if you don't go, you might burst in some way, except that you go and it doesn't relieve you of that pain. It's everything is still there. Like the second after you've been to the toilet, you still feel like you need to go to the toilet desperately. Nothing changes. And so you can't ever get relief and you can't ever get rid of it. So I, in 2019, I got that again. I went to the doctors, said, please just give me the antibiotic. I know what it is. They gave me the antibiotics. It didn't go. It was like my worst nightmare. It was like hell on earth. It didn't go. I went back to the doctor and said, it's not gone. And they gave me three different types of antibiotics. None of it worked. It didn't go. And that began my journey of many, many private doctors until I was finally diagnosed with something that's called interstitial cystitis. And what this means is it's like having a UTI, except there's no bacteria there at all. So there's no way of getting rid of it. So you just have it forever. And they told me it was an incurable disease and gave me a few forums to have a look at. I went on the forums and realized very quickly I could not be on those forums. Some women had had this daily for 20, 30 years. I read that there was a suicide rate of 50% of people that have interstitial cystitis around the world. 50% of people eventually can't handle it anymore and kill themselves. And yeah, the causes are unknown. It's completely unresearched disease because it mainly affects females. And so the people that make the decisions about these things are not female. And so it's had barely any research. There's a little bit of research going on at the moment. So no one knows the causes. No one knows how to get rid of it or why you have it. There are some opinions from doctors that aren't proven on what it could be. Some of those opinions are hormone changes. Some think it's a autoimmune disease of some kind, but they don't know which or caused by autoimmune. Some believe that it's mast cells, which is if your body fires out too much antihistamine from your mast cells, that that can cause it. Some people just believe it's a constant UTI that doesn't show bacteria, but the bacteria is somewhere embedded that you can't find and it doesn't show up anywhere, but it's there somewhere hidden that antibiotics won't help with. And the biggest issue I found, because I did so much research, is that no doctors agree on what it is or how, well, the thing they agree on is you can't get rid of it, but no doctors agree on why it's there. And so it's very difficult to find a way to live with it. The way that they try and help is to give you things to get rid of the symptoms. However, all of the usual means that um, get rid of the symptoms only work for about 14% of people and none of them have worked with me. So I then went on this journey of spending well over six figures, many, many months of researching every single white paper, every single bit of research that I could get my hands on. It was like doing my law degree all over again, but for this one disease. So I went to every single doctor in the UK that was known as a specialist and had written a white paper on it and paid them to talk to them. They gave me things that didn't work. I had operations from private doctors costing, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds to see 
if there was anything that they could see that they could do, nothing at all worked. And the operations left me in agony. 600,000 people in the UK have it. And yet in the UK, it's not really, my doctor had never heard of it. Whereas in the US, it's known as a disability along the lines of cancer pain and diabetes type one. So it's in the same disability category as those two things. So that's how much they know it's a problem and how much it affects your quality of life. Whereas in the UK, they just hear the word cystitis and tell you to drink cranberry juice. And cranberry juice is actually the worst thing for interstitial cystitis. So it's like the things that they tell you to do in the UK actually harm you because they don't understand it at all. And you know, some doctors have theories. Other doctors tell you, oh, don't do what that doctor says because that's going to cause you even more problems. For example, the doctors that believe that it's an embedded UTI will give you a whole year's worth of antibiotics and tell you that you need to take anti full, very high, strong antibiotics for four years to see any kind of difference. Other doctors will tell you that's going to muck up everything and that you definitely shouldn't do that. Honestly, you wouldn't believe the amount of disinformation that these doctors have with each other. And these are the best in the in the country and in the world that I've spoken to. So it's been difficult. <laughs> I decided after the first six months of not having, I have about four days in every month where I have absolutely no symptoms at all. And then the rest of the time it's bad. And which makes no sense because the reason that they say that you have it is that your bladder is bleeding all the time, is weeping and is not, you know, it's, it's like if you have some water, it's like pouring acid over your bladder, over the sores. But if that's true, then why do I have four days off a month at random times where it's like I haven't got anything? It's like I go back to my old self. And then the re- you never know when that's going to happen either. There's, we've, we've done this big chart to try and find any kind of patterns with anything I'm doing, anything I eat, anything. And there's no pattern to it at all. And they can't explain that. They don't know why that happens. Most people who have this get flares. So they're generally okay most of the time. Then they'll get a flare every month or every couple of months. I have it the other way around where I have it all the time. And for two to four days a month, I won't have anything. And But they, the doctors have no idea what to do. So I decided to go down the route of holistic therapy. Like if I can't find a doctor that knows anything about it or can deal with it, then I will start being open to the alternative kinds of therapy, which you know, I never would have done that before. <laughs> Anyone that knows me would know. I would never even look into it, but I was in so much pain that I had to try And so I then tried everything I could get my hands on, months of kinesiology, homeopathy, different kinds of herbs that people prescribed me, medical marijuana, energy healing. I had trauma therapy because Louise Hay wrote a book called You Can Heal Your Life. And it was based on, she believes that everything in the body, believed everything in the body was connected. So if it's your bladder is in pain, then it means that you're pissed off about something you are annoyed about something and you need to let it go. So I thought, well, let's try that option. It doesn't seem like it would be that, but you know, why did it suddenly come on now? But let's give it a go. And so I went through trauma therapy to try and find something that linked to it and get rid of it for a year. That didn't work. Honestly, energy healing, dietitians, nutritionists, because there's a thing called the IC diet that you should try. Antihistamine therapy, in case it's mast cells, autoimmune therapy, which I'm still going through now all of these different things, none of them 
did a single thing, like nothing at all. So I'm now at this point where I still have the same problems that I had in 2019, but I just know a lot more about it. (laughs) I can cope sometimes, like when it's at a pain level five to six, I've now, that used to completely make me fall to my knees. I've got used to it. So my body's got used to it and I can now cope with a pain level of five to six, but sometimes it goes up to a nine to 10 and then I'm useless again. And the reason I don't talk about this a lot, you know, people often say, well, you never, it seems as you've been going through this for two years, you don't really talk about it very much, is because there is nothing more triggering than when you tell someone how much you've researched. And honestly, I think I could be a urologist by this point, the amount that I have learned and the amount I read on a daily basis about this disease and diseases like it, that there is nothing more triggering than when I do tell people about it, whether it's on a live or anything, someone will always message me to tell me that they know the cure and that it's aloe vera or a herbal tea or a particular type of essential oil, or it's definitely trauma before they know anything about me. And that really, there's not much that makes me angry these days, but that does because although maybe well-meaning, sometimes salesy, but maybe well-meaning, what that does is means that they're assuming that I haven't bothered to even look into it myself to see what works. Haven't bothered trying any of those things. And, you know, I've tried everything. So please don't, please don't message me after this and tell me that you know exactly what it is. I need a herbal tea. So I don't talk about it loads, but I feel like I have to talk about it because the more I've become in this kind of club that I didn't want to be in, which is like a club for people that live in, in constant pain and discomfort, the more people I've met, many, many more than I thought who are going through something similar while running these huge businesses that are making millions of pounds. And I would have thought early on that you couldn't do that, that you couldn't have something like this and still run a business, but you can. And that's the same with mental health. I mean, the mental health effects of living with this are so, so much more severe than when I had the depression anxiety on its own because this triggers it constantly as it would if a suicide rate of something is is up to 50%. So it meant for me that I needed to start talking about it so that people who were going through something similar realized they could still run a business and they could still excel at it. They could still thrive at it because there are things that you can do about it. So let's talk about those things. Now I've kind of explained what's been going on for the past couple of years in my life and why sometimes I will disappear for a few days and you won't even notice it because I've set things up so that it's not noticed. So how can you deal with it? Well, the first way is very obviously to find recurring revenue in your business because very quickly I realized that if I couldn't work, I wouldn't get paid. And so I needed recurring revenue so that if I had to, you know, be off for a month, money would still come in to pay the bills for the doctors. And so You know, it was never our plan, for instance, to have Evergreen in the business. We love launching and we never set out to go, okay, eventually we're going to have Evergreen courses in our business where people can just buy them, go away and do them. They're already recorded and we'll get some money. It was never a plan, but we realized that actually we would need to do that in case I was ill because, you know, our Evergreen makes us around 20,000 to 25,000 a month now. So if all else, you know, all else stopped, we would still be able to make some money in the business if I wasn't there. 
The second thing that I do is when I'm launching, I make sure all of the things that I need for my launch are done beforehand. And so that I don't wear myself out, I do one thing. So I might do like the sales page one week. The next page, I might write the first email for that launch. The next one, I might write the next email. I do things so far in advance because then if something happens, you've got everything. You can still launch because everything's already done. So my last launch, the 2.5 million pound launch was done from a hospital bed. No one knew, but I was in the hospital the whole time that launch was happening because I just happened to get a real bad flare. And so, you know, it had to go ahead. I wasn't going to stop that launch because I was ill because otherwise I'd be constantly stopping things. And we had everything ready because we'd done everything in advance. So it still went ahead as if I was present. The only bit that I did live was the challenge and the masterclass. Everything else was done from a hospital bed. So, you know, if you get everything done in advance, it doesn't have to stop anything. The other thing was I got support in my business quicker than I probably would have normally. You know, Zoe came on board only in year, end of year two, beginning of year three of the business. You know, taking on an operations manager that early is risky, but I knew that I needed a right-hand person so that when I'm not there, I can get help with things. It's made me become a CEO of my business much quicker than I thought I would. I now have eight employees. And, you know, would I have done that? Otherwise, maybe not, but it kind of forced me to do the things I should have been doing anyway, which is not worrying so much about like the profit margins. We had massively high profit margins of about 90%. And I liked that. But then it became apparent that, okay, maybe we'd need to go down to 60 to 70% profit margins eventually. And just meaning that I could do a lot, lot less by taking on more employees. And that was more important because there is nothing that's more important than your health, nothing. So make sure that your business can run without you in it, or if it can't yet, work towards making sure your business can run without you. One of the things that we decided to do is set up an omnipresence Facebook ad campaign so that I wouldn't have to be on social media all the time, but it would look like I'm on social media all the time. An omnipresence campaign is where you record lots of things in one go and they are drip fed out to the feeds of people that watch something of you. So let's say I put out seven videos of me or seven pieces of content. Anyone that looks at those or half of the, you know, maybe into half of the videos would then get a load of other content that I've pre-scheduled. And they would, so it would look to them like their feed is completely full of me and that I'm constantly there when actually I did those over a year ago. So I don't have to be on social media all the time. And the other thing it made, it, it means that you can't do anymore when you have something like this is you can't compare yourself. So I used to be somebody that compared myself to other people all the time. And I do like for like. So I'd be like, well, how is she doing so much better than me? She's got two kids. She's got twins, but she's making eight figures. <laughs> or, you know, I would look at things in that way. And now I realize we can never compare. We can't compare to anyone because we don't know what's going on. We don't know silently what's happening. Like if somebody compared themselves to me this year, they'd be comparing to someone that they thought was completely on top of their game. And actually I've been in hospital most of the year, most of 2021, in and out constantly. So 
it's not a great comparison to make. And yet I always thought we could really look at people and compare and we can't. We have no idea what is actually going on behind closed doors and in their lives. And that's quite nice because it made me completely stop comparing to anyone because we can't know. We just have no idea. We can't just compare to what we see. So how has it helped? Because I always believe in trying to find silver linings and what you're grateful for, even with the worst things that can happen to you. And if I'm honest, getting this disease is probably the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life. More than, you know, being bullied or going through two divorces or any of the things that have happened because it affects me every day. And for years, you know, if something affects you every day, it can be really hard to deal with. But it's really important, I think, to try and find the things that are good about it, what it's taught you. And so for me, things, how it's helped, it slowed me down. When I first got this, I saw this as really bad because it was going to slow me down. You know, I I had big, big things that I was going to do. I can still do those big things, but there's no race. There's no race against anyone else. And so it slowed me down a bit. It's allowed me to appreciate, you know, not doing things all the time. I spend entire weeks doing nothing apart from watching Netflix sometimes because I can't do anything. So it slowed me down. And that's not a bad thing to learn. It's made me appreciate the good days. So when I had days before where I was pain-free, I didn't know that it could be any different. And so for me, I would find things to be annoyed about or miserable about, you know, (laughs) things that when you have something that's real, that's really affecting you, you look back to the things that you used to worry about and just you find yourself ridiculous. Like the little things I cared about, for instance, like what people thought about me, it just means nothing to me now that I have something that's debilitating. So you know, it makes you rethink, first of all, what things are going to bother you. But it also makes you really grateful when you have a good day. So when I have a day with no symptoms, I'm so happy. Like, whereas I would have taken that day for granted, I never take a day like that for granted now. I'm so happy during that day. And I will make the most of that day I possibly can because I don't know how long it's going to last. It's made me look at others in a different light. I'm not as hard as on clients as I used to be. I used to be annoyed when people didn't just do the things to make the money. You know, like, why aren't you doing these things? You know, these things are going to help you. But now I realize that there could be things going on with every kind that I don't know about, whether it's mindset issues or whether it's actually physical issues that we don't know or something's happening in their lives. And so I'm kind of much more tolerant of some things, like I'm more tolerant of people who aren't doing what I think they should do to get the life they really want to. I'm less tolerant of people that moan about things that really don't matter. They just don't matter in life. And they are privileged things to be worried about or annoyed about. And you only know that once you're in pain every day, (laughs) like it makes you rethink everything. It's made me get to the point of outsourcing quicker. Like we were just talking about, that's a good thing. Like that's grown my business and I wouldn't have done it that quickly. It's made me tell everybody I know to get health insurance because I didn't have any. And now there's no point me getting any because it won't cover the things that I need covering now. So like, I wish I'd have thought more about like, there I am spending money on things that I don't need when actually I could have just bought health insurance, which would have saved me over a hundred thousand and probably by the end of this year, 200,000 in doctors and surgeries and that kind of thing. Because although the NHS in the UK is brilliant, 
I would have had to wait a year to even start looking at things, which, you know, would have been even, well, it hasn't really made a difference, but I would have felt like I was waiting for something that I wasn't getting. So do I always cope? No, I don't always cope. But by being open with clients and being able to choose my ideal clients, like clients that understand and want all of my knowledge, but realize that, you know, every now and again, I might have to move a meeting. It's been easier because on days I can't cope, my team take over and you'll have seen my team take over on many days. Sometimes between hospital appointments and researching, it can feel like having two jobs, but it can be done. And I think that's the point I'm trying to make, like from the outside, people will have said, you know, Lisa Johnson had the biggest launch in the UK in 2021. How has Lisa done this so quickly over the last four years? They would have seen that side, which means it can be done. You can have a thriving business and still be doing all of this other stuff in the background, which means you can do it as well. You know, we can all find ways, find strategies to make things bearable to make things be able to be done to make sure that we can still have a thriving business but take care of ourselves at the same time and like everything in life it's all about your mindset and how you view things I could view this as something that's going to stop me doing everything I want to do or I can view it as something that will teach me some things that will make me even better at the things that I want to do, but that I need to put strategies in place to take care of myself as well. It brings out strength and resilience you didn't know you had when you have a chronic disease or a mental health issue. So I would love to hear from you. If you have any kind of chronic pain disease or an autoimmune or mental health issues, what strategies do you have in place? I would love you to come over to the Fabulous 5% which is my Facebook group. I'm going to put a thread up about this because I've realized how many people this affects recently. I never would have known before I was part of it. And if we can help each other with strategies that we all use to be able to still have a business and not let it stop us, then I think that's good for all of us. So I'd love you to come over and let me know your opinions on these kind of things. And I will be back next week with another podcast for you. But thanks for listening for today. Thank you for listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson. If you'd like to get hold of my guide to launching, go to lisajohnson.com forward slash launch and let's get you making money online.